This podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the History Out of the Box team in their personal capacity. This podcast is meant for listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions, historical or otherwise, may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only, and due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the History of the Box podcast. I am your fabulous couch potato historian, Cam. And with me, I have my beautiful co-host... Jen, I jumped the gun a little bit there. Hi. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, we are rusty as hell because we took a few month hiatus. It's been incredible. It has been. We've had a lot going on, a lot of changes going on in the household here. But the summer is coming to a close. Um, well, maybe still 100 degrees where we're at. Literally yeah. today it was 101, actually. But we are getting back into the groove of things. And we're really excited about yeah. this episode back. Isn't What do they say about Arizona? If you're not burning alive, then you're not living in Arizona. Is that what it is? Is that the phrase, the catchphrase? Um, I don't know if that's the exact technical phrase, but I mean, it, it makes sense. Yeah, okay. It makes sense. It yeah. is quite, quite toasty here. So let's give listeners some background on what's been going on in our lives. What has happened? Well, we spent quite a few weeks away out of the country. We were traveling. I know people laugh when people say, I went to Europe. They're like, Europe's not a country. Well, we went to several different countries in Europe, so we spent... About a month traveling around there. We were in the Middle East for a little bit, which mm. was pretty incredible to see. Um, we were in Croatia for most of that time. Uh, yeah. Greece, Cyprus, all over the place, which was a lot of fun. But at the end of vacation comes a lot of work. So we're back. Uh, we also have a new puppy in the house. Yes, we do. He has uh, his name is Murphy, and you'll probably see him when he is not full of methamphetamines. Um, he is very much a puppy, so yeah. he is currently being puppy sat um, mm-hmm. outside of our studio right now. So hopefully, we don't hear him pawing at the door. But he's very spoiled and happy, so don't you worry. Yeah, and then uh, before our hiatus to other countries, um, one of which we will never mention again because it is a very vitriolic conversation. Uh, with that being said, before that, we had a little bit of a project with our backing uh, production company that kind of overtook all of my time. So you can blame all of the hiatus on me. But in a good, positive turn of storyline, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. In, in, in a turn of, yeah, uh, in, of events, uh, we are back and we have people to talk Welcome about. Welcome to the History of the Box podcast. The I am incredible. your fabulous couch person potato historian cam and obviously and we're me, coming back with a very non-controversial person co-host no. yeah because that's exactly what we would do history of the box specializes in i believe as far as i can tell we're the only history podcast that specializes specializes in connecting our listeners with the ghosts of our collective past no one knows what that means i made it up now you know what it means uh to, well you can make up what it means so yeah who are we talking about today jen well we are talking about the illustrious Helen Keller. Oh, wow. Well, on that note, if you happen to like this particular episode, you can also find our content on Instagram. It'll be right here. And you can also find us on YouTube. Normally, we have an episode every week normally. But anyway, Helen Keller. She was an American author, a political activist, a lecturer who became famous for overcoming the dual disabilities of deafness and blindness. And her extraordinary story of perseverance and determination has inspired countless people around the world for 
many different reasons. Aside from the fact, can you even imagine being deaf and blind? That is just, I can't, I can't even like wrap my mind around that. I'm going to have to behave myself this episode. You so, really will uh, because there I, is some, there is a lot of touchy subjects in here. Yeah. I Cam. could not imagine being deaf and blind at the same time. That would be very hard to deal with. In this episode, we're going to explore her life, her struggles and achievements as well as how she became a beacon of hope for millions. And though it's nothing necessarily new, there has been some viral TikToks. I know when we first started doing these notes, they were really viral at the time. Now yeah. it's kind of faded off. But TikToks and Reels questioning whether she had these ailments at all mm-hmm. and um, if she even existed at all. There was all sorts of stuff going around. Yeah, and you we're can tell to, Jen is on the conspiracy side of TikTok. Uh, I'm, and I'm honestly, well, not I really, agreeing with these statements. I loved the phrase you used, a beacon for a few million of uh, those who could see her. So, um, yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Helen Keller. Helen J. Keller. That's what her middle, middle name is. Well, no. I'm just going to start okay. now. You're just thinking of uh, uh, the, the Donald J. Wow. Well, yeah. now, now we're there. Okay. No, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> we're not going to mix him into the Helen Keller anyway, episode. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Let's talk about a, a <laughs> let's do a face off. Who would win in a boxing match? Anyway. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Helen Keller. Helen Keller was born on June 27th, 1880, in Tuscumbia, Alabama. Did you know that, that Gemini, was a city? Leo? What was that? A June 27th? I think that's a cancer. Ugh. <laughs> I'm an what? Aries. I'm an Aries. I don't oh, like cancers. I course. also am not a fan of cancer. Let's kill cancer together. Oh, my goodness. Well, she was born to Captain Arthur Henley Keller, a former Confederate Army officer. Ooh, and bad look. And Kate Adams Keller. Mm. And after the war, Arthur became a newspaper editor for the North Alabamian. 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 Do you think they had a flag? A Confederate flag? He was Mm. a Confederate Army officer. I don't know if after the war they kept Mm. one, but he certainly fought under one. Did you know that Helen Keller's father fought for the Confederates? Let's not do the sins of our father, okay? Everyone does it. It's in vogue. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, He worked for the local paper, and the war had depleted the family of much of their wealth. They had come from, you know, their backgrounds, the grandparents and the great-grandparents before that had some money, but the wealth was pretty much gone after the war. Where did the the money come from? Don't ask me too many questions. I don't have that in the notes. But but there was there was some. Not anymore. They lived rather modest lives at this point. But in 1885, Helen's father was appointed to the Marshal of North Alabama under the Cleveland administration. That's jumping ahead a bit. So, but to be clear, he did you know have some some uh, helping hand up at some point. Must be nice. Well, at 19 months old, Helen contracted an illness. And it's later believed that it was either meningitis or scarlet fever. It's not 100% sure, but this illness left her both deaf and blind. So she was only 19 months old at the time, just under two years old. Mm. And the exact illness is somewhat of a mystery still. There are several theories, no definitive answers. And at the time, doctors believed that Helen had suffered from acute congestion of the brain or brain fever, which was a term used to describe any number of conditions that caused inflammation of the brain. It was just sort of a blanket term. You know, at the time they were like ketchup on wounds and all sorts of stuff. We kind of still do that, just a little bit more advanced. (laughs) But again, this was late 19th century. So meningitis and scarlet fever were very common at the time. Mm. And meningitis, for those who don't know, is a viral or bacterial infection that causes inflammation 
um, of the men genes, men genes, it's the membranes around the brain in your spinal cord. Yeah. It's not good. Not good. Um, it causes symptoms such as fever, headache, stiff neck. That from eating poop. So what that is like you get like some poop on well, your Well, it wasn't like a bunch of people were just eating poop. There's, well, no, I, was, I know why. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got our butts kicked in the war, oh. so all we got is potatoes and poop. Uh, but no, I, I know. Is I, I don't. Here's the thing: is I'm not a doctor, so don't quote me on this. But I, I'm pretty oh. sure you get that from it's a bacterial Perhaps, infection. That, well, and in in extreme cases, it will lead to brain damage, hearing loss, or blindness. I need so. to bring my laptop out here. I'm going to need to double search. Yeah, you got to double stuff. check me. By the way, you like the new digs? Yeah, mm-hmm. I did this entire thing. We've got a table. I've custom made this thing. Just kidding. The table's not custom made, but I've done custom fittings on the table. It is not for hire. It is this a new setup. by myself, by myself. Well so, done. Yeah. You're good. Yeah, that's also why it took so long. But besides meningitis, scarlet fever, which again, if you don't know what scarlet fever is, is not as common today. We've sort of... There's a book about that. Scarlet letter? Ah. Ah, yeah, not the same. <laughs> they run. Scarlet fever is a bacterial infection. And both of them are which, just as bad as each other. They're which causes bad. the, you know, like strep throat. It causes mm-hmm. that same bacteria. Um, yeah. Sore throat, fe- a fever, rash across the body. In some cases, it leads to ear infections, pneumonia, rheumatic fever, and damage to the heart, joints, nervous system. Again, that's why some people speculate that's what caused her blindness and deafness. Mm. She got very sick is the bottom line. And the, those were the two results. She was not born deaf or blind. Okay. So her parents were freaking out, as you could possibly imagine. Their very sick daughter. She's not even two years old, and suddenly she can't see or hear anymore. Um, I imagine that's absolutely terrifying. And as a young child, she was extremely frustrated and isolated. I mean, Again, can you even imagine? She had no way of communication with her family or anyone else around her. She often had violent outbursts due to her frustration. And in 1886, her parents sought out help and contacted Alexander Graham Bell. Bet you weren't expecting him to come into this, but he's pretty important in Helen Keller's life. Um, Interesting. Alexander Graham Bell is a renowned inventor known for inventing the telephone and other, other things like that. Um, He was also an educator who had a deep interest in teaching the deaf and mute individuals how to speak. And his mother and wife were both deaf, which led to him fueling his passion for this and improving communication for the deaf and blind or the deaf more specifically. Uh, Bell recommended they contact the Perkins School of the Blind in Boston, Massachusetts. And he also continued to correspond with the Kellers and offer advice for Helen's situation throughout most of her uh, childhood. And Michael Agonos, I believe that's how you, Anagos, Anagos, I'm sorry. I don't know if I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just had a Canadian moment. Um, that might not be how you pronounce his name. Yeah. A-N-A-G-N-O-S was the director of Perkins School for the Blind. And he was a close friend and supporter of Alexander Graham Bell. Mm. So in March, 1887, Helen was introduced by Michael to her very first teacher, Ann Sullivan. I'm sure you've heard of Ann Sullivan. Maybe, you know, uh, I learned a little bit about Helen Keller when I was in school. Um, I took AP history classes uh, and uh, we kind of we kind of breezed. Yeah, her? we glossed over her. Well, uh, she's quite the life. I mean, yeah, I 
don't remember hearing too much about her. Well, her first teacher, Ann Sullivan, she herself had been blind as a child, losing her eyesight due to a bacterial infection. So likely the same thing that happened to Helen. Mm. Anne herself had been sent to the Perkins School for the Blind at age 14, and she became Helen, Helen's teacher shortly after graduating from there. And quickly after arriving to the Keller home and introducing herself, Anne convinced the young girl's parents to actually allow her to take Helen to a small cottage nearby and to live away from the place of her like frequency. Like she'd only been at her house and she knew nothing else. So this teacher randomly showed up and was like, Hey, let me take your child away from your home to teach her. Well, well, here's the thing. She was having very violent temper tantrums and they just didn't know what to do with her. Mm. So, Anne convinced them, Hey, let me take her away from this and I'm going to work day and night with her. So for two weeks, she left the family home. And Anne was actually able to help Helen break through her isolation and begin to communicate. And Helen's early years with Anne were filled with frustration. Obviously, it was not an overnight thing. This takes time, as you can imagine. Um, And she was used to getting her own way because when she didn't have a way of communicate, but her parents would basically do anything they possibly could, right, Mm -hmm. to try and get her to stop being upset. And often they hit the right thing and that was all they could do. She didn't even see it coming. (laughs) But (laughs) Anne was persistent and she was teaching her how to read and write using Braille, eventually teaching her how to learn to speak. And so there's a whole process there, but she did eventually get there deaf and blind and taught her how to read Braille and speak. The teacher was only blind, but she could hear. Yes. Okay. Named after its creator. Okay. Is something called the Tatama method. And Tad Chapman was the creator of this. He was a deafblind man who lived in the early 20th century, and this method was used to teach Helen how to speak by Anne Sullivan. Here's the general overview of it. There's touch and tactile communication. Anne would place her fingers on Helen's face, specifically on her lips and throat while pronouncing words. Helen would then feel the vibrations and movement of Anne's lips I'm sorry, I might have said that wrong. Anne would place Helen's fingers. Well, now I'm confused. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. Anne, Anne would, would place, place Helen's finger. fingers. Helen. Helen's fingers would be placed on Anne. Yes, on her That's lips, mouth, throat, and she would feel the vibrations as Anne spoke. Okay, so that uh, was yeah, and her tongue too. Like oh, it was, we had wow. to feel right. That's interesting. Then there was spelling words. Anne would use the manual alphabet finger spelling to spell out words on Helen's hand while simultaneously making the corresponding speech movements on Helen's face. So one of the most famous moments that's been, you know, it's all over the place in Helen's early life. It occurred when Anne took her to a water pump and spelled the word water. W A T E. (laughs) What are you thinking? She got waterboarded by Anne. You're awful. I knew exactly what you were thinking the second you started chuckling. Anne took her. Anne took Helen to a water pump. Just started waterboarding her until she got water. Going well. That's awful. That's how we. uh, That's how we. That's how we teach English in this country. Okay. No. <laughs> That's not what happened. Please don't quote me on that. Started spelling W-A-T-E-R weird. on her hand while pumping water over the other hand. Ah. And suddenly Helen would understand the word water and mm. the sensation she was Good feeling. thing that was water and nothing else, you know? Well, the third <laughs> thing is imitation. So Helen learned how to associate the tactile sensations with specific words and the pronunciation. So she would try to imitate Anne's 
lip and tongue movements based on what she felt on her own face and throat when they were talking. Interesting. It's complicated. I'm like, can you even think like, I have, I'm trying to learn like Spanish what? right now. And I'm like, I can't even imagine. Stop bragging about Duolingo. I'm not, I'm not bragging. Duolingo sponsor Stop us, it. please. Stop Cause it. we Stop. love you, but Duolingo, we love you. Also your Instagram's hilarious. Uh, with that being said, um, uh, yeah, I get where you're going with that. I mean, Duolingo is hard enough learning another span, uh, learning another Spanish, learning another language. Um, but being blind and teaching someone who is blind and deaf, like, how did she even know where you were? Well, I'm not done with the Tatama effect or effect method yet. Yeah. Last thing, repetition and a lot of practice. So the process required a great deal of this. And Anne was patient. She was extremely persistent. And this would help her reproduce speech, Helen. It, I mean, it took over and over and over again. Um, some critics have suggested, without the waterboarding, <laughs> but that, Hel- that Helen's education under Sullivan was likely brutal or inhumane, and Sullivan was using physical force, harsh discipline to train Keller. However, many have argued that she was loving and compassionate instead. And How no would they know? The, there's no evidence of, of either. Of, of Yes. So Because it's not like they had a documentation. And on top of that, the teacher was blind and Helen wasn't better off. So, I mean, there's really speculation. Well, here's the thing. Anne Sullivan was not only Helen's teacher, but she was also her closest friend and confidant. And... She taught Helen not only academic subjects, but also important life skills, like how to dress and how to interact with other people. You know, all she had really had interactions with were her parents, really, right? And and Anne, it was, she didn't really know how to interact with a stranger. So despite all these challenges that she faced, Helen's early years were marked by resilience and compassion and determination. And Anne Sullivan sort of to thank for that. She really laid the foundation for Helen's later years as an advocate for many people who were dealing with different types of problems. <laughs> that was the most diplomatic way to put like it. poor credit scores. <laughs> if you a, ever have a, she if was you, a real advocate for credit if karma. If you are under five hundred, <laughs> Helen Keller has a plan for you. <laughs> well, in eighteen ninety, Bell invited. Bell is in Alexander, Alexander Graham, Bell. Graham Bell. Not he yet. invited Helen and Anne to stay at his summer home in Nova Scotia. And while they were there, Bell worked with Helen to improve her speech using a technique that he had developed called visible speech. And visible speech is a system which represented the different sounds of speech. Visible speech, not invisible speech. No, visible. Okay. Yeah. And Bell used it to help Helen understand how to form different sounds with her mouth. And they would continue to correspond throughout her life, by the way, Alexander Graham Bell and Helen Keller. They developed a very close friendship. Um, they shared a common interest in helping deaf individuals communicate. And they even collaborated on a project to develop a device that would convert written text into tactile language that could be touched. It's like a braille. And, in addition to their shared interest in education and communication um, with the deaf, they also shared a love for nature in oh, the outdoors. Oh, oh, thank God and you said nature after that. I thought you were going to end with shared a love. And I was like, that's no, no. Mr. Graham Bell. That, they went uh, on walks with each other enjoy, and enjoyed uh, time in the outdoors. I imagine for Helen, like if you can't hear or see, like the feeling of wind and stuff must be very... Like someone breathing on you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Just, well, here's the thing. At age 11, <laughs> Helen was facing a lot of plagiarism accusations because she was... She was 11. She was what writing things down and people... 11-year-old didn't plagiarize. <laughs> right. Well, they were saying that her ideas were not her own. 
you know, it was all Anne. It was all Anne Sullivan doing it, and Helen Keller wasn't actually like. What was she writing, writing about? Did she did she write Harry Potter? Did she start with? Of course. Well, here's the thing. Alexander Graham Bell and notably Mark Twain really came to Helen Keller's defense when she was a child and said she's the one saying all this. How do all these people know each other? It's a very tight circle. You notice this? Okay, so interesting thing. uh, Throughout this episode, this episode, this show, we have come to realize that a lot of these people, a lot of these very famous people, which kind of makes sense, kind of like today, you know, all, all these people know each other, but it, it, they come to know each other and then do incredibly equally famous things all at the same time. And I've come to determine, and this is probably where the conspiracy part of TikTok comes in, I've come to determine that it is all on uh, intent and purpose. I think that, well, her parents reached out to Alexander Graham Bell and then Oh, and he, he just knew. responded. Wow. Well, anyway. he was had a focus on, the, on helping the deaf and the blind, of course. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, Mr. Sure. Conspiracy Theorist over there. Anyway, uh, so Mark Twain and Alexander Graham Bell got together and they helped Helen Keller. <laughs> Helen's teenage years were a time of significant change oh. and growth for her. And mm. during this time, she was developing her writing skills, getting mm. an education. In 1894, Helen, with Ann Sullivan by her side, enrolled at the Wright Humanson School for the Deaf in New York City. It was here that Helen began to study with Sarah Fuller, a renowned teacher of the deaf who had taught Ann Sullivan. And under Fuller's guidance, Helen began to refine her speech and to develop her writing skills, which became renowned as she grew older. And the she learned how to write with using a typewriter mm. and started to write letter essays, eventually her autobiography that was titled The Story of My Life. She has an autobiography she wrote when she was very young. Yeah. I recommend it. But her skills... Have you read it? Don't put me in the- <laughs> I've read excerpts of it. I haven't read the whole thing. What are you, 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 you headspaced it? <laughs> I haven't read it the whole thing. The, the, where the, the app where they give you the, the key points. She yeah. was blind and deaf and she wrote her own book. Boom. <laughs> in 1899, at uh, the age of 19 years old, Helen enrolled at Radf- Radcliffe College where she became the first deaf blind person to attend. And her admission was not without its challenges. She obviously faced lots of criticism from those who believed that with her disabilities that she just was not going to be able to handle the rigors of college-level work. Uh, She struggled with depression, feelings of isolation, particularly in the early years of college. And she faced a lot of challenges with communication, no matter what. It's still not the same, right? And as many of her classmates and professors, they were just unable to communicate with her. And despite this... Academically, she was remarkable. She was uh, studying a wide range of topics such as English literature, history, philosophy, foreign languages, and she participated in extracurricular activities, debating society, even the Glee Club, and she learned to swim, becoming the first deafblind person to do so. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you just grinning? Just, you know what? Look, I am all for feel-good stories mm-hmm. i love remember the titans i do oh i, I love feel-good stories helen keller's life to remember Dude, the titans. remember the titans is a great movie oh okay a phenomenal gosh. movie with that being said i love feel-good stories and this just makes me feel good that's all i have to say okay. that's all there good. i have so many questions and just for the sake of not just for staying out of internet jail, uh-huh. I'm not going to ask Good those questions because they don't need to be asked because I believe it all. 
I believe it all. In 1901, Helen graduated from Radcliffe College with honors. <laughs> You're making me laugh. Dude, this is incredible. This is honestly incredible. She graduated with honors in 1901, becoming the first deaf-blind person to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree. This is not funny. This is amazing. I'm and you're making me laugh. Laughing. Okay. I'm not laughing. And Good. look, here's the thing. How dare you laugh? How dare you laugh? This is very serious. And here's the thing. Her teachers couldn't communicate with her. And they she passed. They couldn't communicate and she still passed the entire class, which is good to her. It's kind of like what people do today when taking online classes. They're kind of just doing their own thing. They get through the book, they read the entire thing, and the only difference obviously is these people do not face the same challenges as she did. So right. Well, she became the first deaf blind person to graduate with a bachelor of arts degree mm. and her achievement was celebrated across the country mm-hmm. with many hailing her as a symbol of perseverance, determination and her commencement address. She actually emphasized the importance of education, urged her fellow graduates to use their knowledge to make a positive impact on the world. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? You get your what face. is there to be laughing about? There's, There's nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> look, look. Look, 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 look. There's nothing funny about this. Nothing at all. So the fact that you're laughing is concerning me because it's making me laugh. So I'm not laughing of my own volition. I'm laughing because you're laughing. So <laughs> what's the next thing? She graduated summa cum laude. <laughs> no, that, that didn't happen. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Just with honors. Oh, okay. Let's talk about her activism. Okay. As Helen's education progressed... Ugh. She became interested in the social and political issues of the time, uh-huh. and she became an advocate for women's suffrage, I bet. labor rights, and Makes she also sense. spoke out against the war and imperialism. Uh. And we're going to put some interesting folks here. I did not know this. The NAACP. Mm, okay? My favorite institution. In 1909, Helen Keller helped found the National Association of the Advancement of Colored People. Mm. NAACP, which aimed to fight discrimination and promote civil rights. And Helen was invited to speak at the Boston Equal Franchise League meeting, an organization that advocated for women's suffrage. During her speech, she spoke out against the racial discrimination and urged her fellow suffragists to support the right of African-Americans in the country. Obviously, this is early 1900s. So this is even before the, the civil rights movement in the 60s. 60s. Correct. Right. Yes. Uh, so after the meeting, she was approached, apparently, by a group of African-American activists who were impressed by her words and asked her to support in their fight for civil rights. And Keller was deeply moved by their plight. She agreed to join their cause, and her involvement began with her participation in the fundraising, fa- fundraising campaign for the organization. She wrote letters, and she gave speeches to help raise money. She also used her celebrity status to draw attention to the cause um, of racial justice, and she wrote articles, gave speeches that condemned the practice of lynching, called for the end to segregation, and her involvement with the NAACP was not without controversy, obviously. Did they ever find out that her dad was a confederate soldier i'm sure are you sure it's quite interesting how things yeah do we have any statues of helen keller well here's the thing Mm -hmm. uh what's the thing well well there's people who want statues of helen keller taken down well yeah it's a very real thing but it's only fair right 
Well, we're not. We're not. No, I know. And I'm just. Yet. I'm just. I'm just pointing. There's lots of people who have. It's issues. just interesting. There's, I'm not even to some of the really. Oh, I know. I know. I'm just yet. saying this is very interesting to me. There's it a just lot is, of people take issue with some of the Helen Keller um, activism. Some people don't. Some people and look, do. Obviously, uh, look, controversial look, stuff. I don't want to be. Mm, I don't want to be too critical. But the whole race thing. Well, well, well. Here's the thing. Kind of based on your ability to see. Some critics right. accused her of being a naive idealist who did not understand the complexities of race relations in America, specifically because she was blind. And others claimed that her support for the organization was part of a broader effort to promote socialism and radical politics, which was really gaining traction at the time. Mm. And despite those claims, she remained a very dedicated advocate until the end of her life. Um, and, and But it is it is... There is a lot of people who point out that despite her being blind and deaf, um, she was still a white woman in America of being, you know, you know, that you, you hear the the privilege talk all the time, right? Like she was still a white woman in America and she was leading the NAACP fight. Some people take issue with that. Um, but look, 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 I'm not taking issue with it. OK, I think it is very serendipitous. It's kind of like Luke finding out that Darth Vader was his dad. You know, like, it's very, very interesting, you know. And then Luke kind of led the rebellion. And, like, who's to say, like, Darth Vader, did he really influence him in the right way? And then, obviously, the newest Disney movies that were were poopy, uh, they obviously made it very clear that he went the wrong way, which makes you think, wait a second. Did Darth Vader, like, did he mess with Luke's mind and direct him in the wrong way? So that's the kind of way, that's the kind of thing that you got to think about with this whole scenario. Because she did come, well, and he, obviously, she can't hear or C, so that throws a wrench in There's, the entire well, conspiracy. Um, but with that being said, her dad was a Confederate soldier. Well, that wasn't where the polit- political oh, activism Oh, I, I understand. I understand. I'm just saying it is quite interesting. In the 1920s and 1930s, Keller continued to speak out on a variety of social and political issues. She traveled extensively. <clears throat> she was giving speeches and lectures on the topics of women's suffrage, mostly pacifism. Who paid for uh, that? Well, when you're speaking, people yeah, people they'd... pay for having someone come speak. I mean, she was famous. Well, I just want to know, like, in... differences back then. Was it the kind of the same system? Or I'm sure it was. People would mm. pay to have her come speak. Um, she talked about women's or workers' rights. Excuse me. She also became an advocate for the improved access to education and employment opportunities across the board. And her political views really evolved over time. She became much more politically radical in her later years. She joined the Socialist Party of America. She campaigned for socialist candidates, including Eugene Debs and Norman Thomas. And Helen also voiced her support for eugenics, which is mm. what a lot of people take issue with. Interesting. Helen. A field of the eugenics, for those who don't know, is this is like the very. Can I explain very, this? Can I explain it? Can I explain it? Do you want to? Because I was just going to give the very textbook definition for it. So well, I'll, you go ahead and give the textbook, textbook definition. Textbook definition. It's a field of study mm. wrought with much controversy. Mm, not really study. Eugenics advocates for the improvement of genetic quality mm. of the human population through selective breeding and, you know and sterilization awesome? of individuals deemed unfit. You know what's awesome about that is in the 1940s and 30s, there was a very particular group that were all very white and blue-eyed, kind of like myself, except they 
had blonde hair and I didn't. So I would have probably. And they were also. Well, they weren't biracial. I, I and you don't biracial. share. And, and, and you don't share their not, beliefs. <laughs> I'm not German. Uh, so with that being said, uh, well, it doesn't there sound was just Germans, but you just don't share their beliefs. It kind of started and was popularized with them. Um, but with that being said, eugenics was very popular with a very interesting group of people at that time. And I will not, for the sake of being censored um, or demonetized, uh, will say the name. But if you know anything about history, they liked crosses uh, that were upside down, and they were not a big fan of Jewish people. So they also were big fans of eugenics. So that's kind of interesting that someone whose father was a Confederate soldier and was part helper or founder in the NCAAP, Yes. Uh, and was also uh, blind and deaf, was a champion and advocate for eugenics. Well, champion is pushing it a bit. Is it pushing it? Did yes, she write about how much she loved it? She seemed to share positive sentiment for the study, as reflected in one of the movement's biggest supporters of the time, Alexander Graham Bell. Did you know that? I didn't. But you know who came up with Planned Parenthood? Margaret Sanger. And she was a big fan of eugenics as well well we're not just talking gonna throw about that out there. margaret just Sanger, gonna just gonna throw it out there just but it, out there. it is important to note that keller's view seemed to evolve over time on this she later mm. distanced herself from these ideas likely because oh, of what she just indicated considering what happened in the 40s at the same time um, but according to the american foundation of the blind uh, archivist helen selston helen keller really uh, changed her views on this again this is all so up for interpretation so, so here's here's a really interesting thing about all this because look i am because of this up this show not this episode this show we are all for humanizing people we are and i am playing i'm being coy i am i'm being coy um but i'm also not because i know people are flawed i do i know people are flawed but eugenics like, is all about, like, primary race, better than everyone else things, you know? Like, based on, like, ice cream flavor of the week. You know, if you happen to want this and you don't get that, well, where does the thing that you were going to get go? That kind of, you get what I'm saying? So, mm, big, big points. Uh, five points, deduct. Five points from House Keller. Taken from House Keller and given to Gryffindor. Well, despite the busy activism in her ah. life and the advocacy work schedule she had, she did find time to continue writing. And she actually published 14 books, and that includes her autobiography, and a series of essays and topics on faith, love, death. She wrote 475 speeches and essays over her lifetime. But in her later years of life, Keller faced several health challenges related to just general aging. She suffered from arthritis, kidney disease. Her vision and hearing continued to decline. Um, nevertheless, she remained active and engaged in her work, using her platform to advocate for these causes that she believed in. And her beloved teacher and lifelong friend, Ann Sullivan, did pass away in 1936. She was devastated by Ann's loss. Helen was. Do we know how Ann passed away? I could find out for you, Anne Sullivan. The reason I'm asking is because Helen was with her all the time. And for Anne someone who was a fan Sullivan. of eugenics at one point, it would not put it past her to maybe potentially possibly have been also um, a fan of murder. Oh so, goodness. I mean, I know George Washington, We all the way back to episode one, we know he was a time-traveling serial killer. It looks so, like she... Um, 
She had a stroke at age 35. Wow, And then in 1936, she fell into a coma and died five days later at the age of 70. Mm. Ann Sullivan did with Keller holding her hand. Mm. Yeah. So very, very sad. And considering just how important she was to Helen Keller, that was probably absolutely uh, devastating. Mm. But well, rest in peace, Anne. That was Sullivan. in 1936. And um, right before eugenics got popularized. Here's the thing. Helen Keller didn't just outlive Anne Sullivan. She outlived most of her family members, including her parents and her siblings. And despite their losses, Helen continued to work. And she eventually did pass away June 1st, 1968, at the age of 87 years old. Wow. Uh, She had been declining in health for several years due to a combination of age-related issues, including heart disease, respiratory problems. And in the weeks leading up to her death, her health had taken like a severe turn for the worse. It seems like everyone knew it was going to happen. She had been living in a nursing home in Easton, Connecticut, and she was under the care of doctors and nurses. And on the morning of June 1st, she was found unresponsive in her room. Efforts to revive her were unsuccessful, and she was pronounced dead that morning. So at a service in Washington National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., her body was cremated in Bridgeport, Connecticut. After that, ashes were buried at the cathedral next to Ann Sullivan. Yeah. And her passing was widely mourned by people all around the world who recognized her as remarkable, inspiring, not just for her advocacy work, but also for the fact that she overcame such devastating loss of two senses that so many of us rely on almost entirely for getting anything done. But she was a woman who overcame tremendous challenges to achieve great things. So despite what you may or may not feel about some of her advocacy work and where you fall in that political spectrum, it's pretty impressive that she was able to stand up there and do anything at all, especially to the age of 87 years old. So her today, her legacy lives through the Helen Keller Foundation for Research and Education, which works to improve the lives of people with vision and hearing loss. And while there has been some controversy surrounding her and popular culture, as you've, like I said earlier, the TikToks and the Instagram, some have criticized the way that she has been mythologized and romanticized, which so many historical figures are as it's so part annoying. of the reason we even have this podcast is to... It- humanize some of these romanticized yeah. characters in history. Look, Just I mean, go back to our hey. first episode and take a listen to what George Washington's life was really like. Yeah. You know, and while he, still a great man, he did terrible things at the yeah. same time. And they have a, they have a slave reenactment in Mount Vernon. Which I uh, was unaware of. <laughs> unaware of until just a few days ago because of Shane Gillis. It's a new comedy specialist. Uh, but well, yeah. Helen uh, Keller... Uh, Many people argue that her image of a saintly figure um, who overcame all obstacles is cheap and simplistic and fails to do the justice to the complexity of her life, which in some ways I would say, yes, that's true. Everyone's life, when it comes down to a historical figure, they often get simplified just so you can take a nice big mouthful of whatever you want to take from them. Yeah, no one mentioned the eugenics thing to me. (laughs) But her life and achievements do continue to inspire people around the world. And like I said, whatever you may think about her political um, leanings, one way or the other, it is certainly amazing what she was able to do with her life. And that is the, the short version of the life of Helen Keller. We're not going to talk about the the conspiracy aspects of her life. We're just going to leave that out. Oh, we can talk about it now. I didn't put any notes about it. Besides, <coughs> I know I was seeing lots of 
short form videos a couple months ago of people saying, I don't think Helen Keller was even. Were a you aware that Helen Keller flew a plane? Is that one of them? I, I don't think she. You should look pe- them up. You have a device in say, front of you. So, so we talked about her life. We talked about how she's a huge fan of eugenics, which is a major, major plus for a certain guy named Adolf. Um, and yeah, uh, we did all of that. So now we're going to talk about some of the things that people might think are a little controversial. Like... The plane? or wait, wait, what? I don't know. I have no idea what she did. I just guessed. I pulled plane th- out of thin air. Well, some people think that I know, blindly they, they pulled say it. They Helen say. Keller um, flew an airplane across the Mediterranean Sea in nineteen forty-six. No way! No way! Um, no, it's I don't buy that. Questionable how much flying really was yeah. on. Oh, like I kind of like went up with my grandfather when I was ten years old I'm in his sure, Cessna, she, and I kind of flew the plane a little bit, but I did not fly. I, 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 I moved the joystick up and down. That's not flying. It's it's not the way people are picturing it. Ah. She she did sit in the pilot seat of a oh, plane yeah. and fly, and, and she apparently loved it. But um, here's the facts. If you want to know the facts here, I'm fact-checking this for you right now. Okay, hold on. You 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 keep putting me on the spot. You need to. You gotta. Hey, it, this is this is the spiciest part of Keller's life. Okay, we all, we can only see and hear so much about her. So we should talk about she, the controversial. She was parts. traveling to Europe in 1946. Which, Ooh, yeah. interesting. Where was she going? Do we know? I don't know exactly where in Europe, but she was going mm. to somewhere in Europe, some country in Europe. Interesting. And on behalf of the American Foundation for the Overseas Blind, mm. and it was during this flight that. She took control of the plane. Oh, of her own volition. I'm sure she stormed they, the cockpit. Uh, the, everyone, the pilot <laughs> and the crew who were there said she was very calm and ah. steady about it. So that's what they mean when they say that she flew a plane. It wasn't like she was Amelia Earhart and hopping into her Cessna and flying on her own. It wasn't like that. Yeah. But it's still pretty impressive in yeah. its own way. Hmm. That's Helen Keller for you guys. That's it, huh? That's the only conspiracy aspect of it. I mean, are people BSing the amount of books she wrote? Because I can kind of see like. Well, she knows she wrote no, I, 12 or 14 yeah, books. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then um, she wrote a lot of speeches. And it's just, I mean, you got to think like it's hard to wrap your mind around it as someone who is obviously not deaf or blind to think what you would have to overcome to get there. I know. Knock on wood, obviously. <laughs> but not. um <laughs> Like not how, deaf how, like, or blind yet, but people people do incredible <laughs> things all the time. It's just hard. It's hard uh, to wrap your mind around yeah. when you don't have that. That uh, perspective. Look, I don't know what to think about Helen Keller because it seems as if uh, we did a very light Spark Notes version of her life, which is okay. Uh, there's some details there that I did not know, like her uh, ties to socialism and eugenics, which is strange that they go hand in hand because. One of them seems to profess the sharing of everything, and the other one seems to profess the, uh, the diminishing returns of human growth. Um, but uh, anyway, I I don't know what to think. And on a scale of one to ten, based on this information that you have provided to me, and because she had five points taken away from her and given to Gryffindor, I am going to give her a rating of five point four. Okay. By the way, she did have control of the plane for about twenty minutes. Over over the Mediterranean Sea, flying between Rome and Paris. So she was going to Paris. I'm good. Good thing it wasn't like Poland. Yeah, Warsaw. Yeah, gotcha. Berlin. Poor Warsaw. Poor War- Warsaw. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. So that's Helen Keller. I'm getting you for kind of a low score. We can do someone else different, but I thought well, we'd obviously just she, she's okay. I mean, I don't know what I got gave Ruth Handler, but I like Ruth Handler better than Helen Keller. Okay. All right. I feel like Ruth Handler had more impact. Ruth, Ruth and Ruth Handler was a badass. Yeah. I, I mean, I liked Ruth better. Sorry, Helen. I mean, Ruth was awesome. Look at what Barbie did. I know. Look at what's done to society. I know. It's look great. at the, all Thank of you. the insecurity that is brought upon right. one demographic. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's Helen Keller, everyone. Yeah, that's Helen Keller. So if you were a fan, great. And and if not, that's okay. Uh, we are here to humanize people in history who you may or may not have heard of to give you some insight into them. So you may consider the humanistic aspects of people that we tend to deify in society. Uh, those of which probably shouldn't be de- deified, um, especially if they're fans of eugenics. Um, but with that being said, uh, that's what we tend to do here. And obviously, all of this is just our opinion. We are not historians. This is not brought to you by the BBC or uh, History.com or uh, Nat Geo or Life Magazine. Life Magazine, I don't think exists anymore. Um, but with that being said, that is the point of this podcast. And if you happen to enjoy it, please go ahead and give us a like down at the bottom of your little screen on YouTube or go ahead and give us a follow on Spotify. I believe you can follow on Spotify, I think. I don't know. You can um, yeah, subscribe. Five-star review a review would be absolutely uh, wonderful. And, uh, yeah, uh, if you happen to like our content, you can find it on Instagram at History Out of the Box. You can also find us on YouTube at History Out of the Box. And, uh, yeah, that was Helen Keller. Um, yeah. Normally, I say more. I say more things. But I had so many uh, thoughts pop into my head that were probably not appropriate, and I shut them down. Good for you. Because I am a fur baby dad now. Yeah, that's right. Responsibility. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so we'll go ahead and see you in our next episode, which will be coming out the following week from now. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks a bunch. This is a terrible outro. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.